Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Back with you every Thursday to round up the best of Bailiwick Sport. Coming up today, we'll talk football with Alex Scott away at the Under-19 Euro Finals with England. We'll look back on a brilliant weekend for our top boxers and hear from coach Ben Duff. Uh, We'll also reflect on the extraordinary achievement of ultra-runner Tian Erwi and look ahead to this weekend's British Athletics Championships. And we'll take stock of what's been happening in domestic cricket too as the Evening League won passes the halfway stage. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me for all of that is Guernsey Press Sports Editor Gareth Prevo. Hi Tony. Uh, Jamie Ingrill. Hi Tony. And Harry Jones. Hi Tony. Uh, great to see you all. Um, yeah we've been away for a little while. Taking stock I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the Just working hard Tony. That's what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah it's been a busy time hasn't it. Um, yeah so much going on. So much to try and pack into um, a, a tight show today hopefully. Um, let's start with the football because uh, a really exciting week, I think, for everyone in Guernsey football to, to see what Alex Scott is doing away, as I say, uh, with England's under-19s in Slovakia at the Euros finals. They've played two games so far, two wins. He came off the bench and played half an hour in their opening game and played the full 90 minutes as they beat Serbia 4-0 last night. Harry, I think you've been watching uh, these games. Just give us a sense of, of how he's sort of fitting into that side. Because, yeah, he played the full 90 minutes. Did he have a big influence? Yeah, well, I thought last night he was really impressive. Uh, he started off in that number 10 position, was getting on the ball quite a lot. And you could tell that he's had experience already playing at a very high level of football. He plays senior week in, week out. A lot of, unlike a lot of, probably a lot of players on the pitch, a lot of the England players, and I imagine a lot of the Serbian players too. And you could really tell that he's sort of a lot more maybe mature than a couple of other players on the pitch. Technically, looks so gifted. It's just so good to see him doing so well, having such a big part in this England under-19 team. It was so great to see him get a start uh, yesterday and get to watch him play the full 90 minutes. And I thought he was really good. He moved back into sort of deeper position a bit later on. And I actually thought he looked even a little bit better playing in that deeper position because he got on the ball quite a lot, dictated play. He was, almost looked like a young Perlo playing. Fantastic. But, um, yeah, he looked class. And yeah, massive win for England under-19s. There's some real standouts in that team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, we got the BWCI tournament in a couple of weeks. I saw, saw a photo on Twitter uh, of you facing up to a young Alex. How old were you then? Yeah, I think we would have been sort of year five, so about ten. I think that must, that must have been the semi-finals. We were, we were a penalty shootout away from beating Saints and getting to the final. Never lived it down. <laughs> <laughs> and you were a wreck then as well. Yeah, back at Rome. He's ghosting past you with ease in that picture, Harry. <laughs> He's left you for dead. <laughs> I mean, back then, was it clear that, you know, he was just a standout player? Yeah, I mean, he was always he was always amazing growing up because he was he spent his younger days at Southampton, did get released, had that setback, and the way he came back, and then growing up, sort of when he got to was 15, 16, he just looked two, three, four levels above everyone that um, he was playing with, and it was he always looked destined to go away and do these big things, and it's so great to see him doing it on the international stage now at a major tournament. And Gareth, when you look at the clubs, um, you know, the, the sort of the. The, the names that have been sort of touted for a while at those clubs um, uh, of some of his teammates, uh, it sort of puts it into context, doesn't it? Yeah, well, he's up with uh, Academy stars, really, from sort of Spurs and uh, Man City and now Borussia Dortmund and Juventus, I think he's got teammates from. So it's, um, it's, it's great to see see Alex on that on that stage. And like Harry says, he, looks, he just looks so at home, you know. I mean, I was trying to watch the game last night. Um, I was at the KG5 uh, watching cricket and watching my iPhone at the same time. And, yeah, I mean, he, he, he just looks so at home and uh, in, in either positions, or whether he's playing in the forward line or back in sort of like the deeper, what I'd sort of perhaps describe as like the quarterback role where you just get the ball from the back four and then sort of look to go forward. He, he just he just looks a class act, and um, that England side certainly looked very promising. I haven't seen any of the other sort of like the other group in that um, tournament, but um, 
they're already through to the semi-finals, which means they've already guaranteed, I think, in the World Cup, under-20 World Cup next year as well. So um, I think that's a side that's going places for sure. Mm. Yeah, really exciting to see. And I guess, you know, given the sort of speculation around him this summer, sort of off the field, potential sort of transfers being, um, you know, suggested, you know, interest in Leeds, Tottenham and, and probably a host of other clubs. I mean, yeah, if you, Bristol City fans will be probably watching this thinking like, oh, no, not another shop window that, you know, He's going to be uh, putting himself in here. So, we'll, uh, yeah, interesting to see how his summer will develop. I'm sure we'll talk about him a bit more next week um, as that tournament progresses. Um, but, yeah, fantastic to see. Uh, let's move on to a bit of boxing because it was, for a couple of our boxers, another sort of sensational trip away at the weekend. Jamie, you were following this. Um, Billy LaPoulin and Tom Tears away at the Haringey Box Cup and doing very well in what is one of the biggest sort of amateur tournaments around. Yeah, so it's sort of billed as the biggest amateur tournament in Europe. So pretty big event. So it's quite impressive that Billy managed to come away with three wins from three, get the gold medal. Um, he's now fighting back at 75 kilograms, which he has decided is his ideal weight for the Commonwealth Games. Um, he dabbled at 71 kilos earlier and suffered an early exit at the Nationals this year. And he realised that's not the best weight for him. And he's not fighting at his best self. So, yeah, he's he stepped up. It's nice to see him performing just before the Commonwealths. And fair play to Tommy as well. He had two bouts, won one of them, and that was against a national finalist. And then another really good close fight against a two-time national champion. And he's only had 20 bouts in his whole career. He's just moving into the elite level of performance that Billy's at. He will not be at the Commonwealth this year, but it bodes well for future Nationals campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I caught up with um, their coach, Ben Duff, up at the Guernsey Amalgamated Boxing Club uh, last night and had a quick chat with him uh, about their weekend exploits. Yeah, good weekend. Um, didn't know what to expect. I knew it would be a good level. So you've got lads there from all over Europe, from some of the top gyms in Ireland, England, Sweden, and uh, even from Canada. So um, you don't really know what you're up against until the groups draw. Well, obviously, um, Billy had a tough fight in his first round. He boxed the Scottish ABA champion. Um, he's now full-time on the Scotland podium squad. And he's been training, um, basically a full-time trainer now. So I thought that's, that's going to be a tough one. Um, but Billy did really well and coped with that. I got, I got the, the win, deserved win. Um, Second round, he boxed a top, another good, good lad. I mean, they're all elite lads, so they're all good standard um, from Birmingham. And he, he won that pretty comfortably. And then in the final, boxed, um, boxed the, la- uh, the lad from White Hart Lane and uh, nearly stopped him in, in the third round. So, he, you know, he won pretty much, <laughs> he won, won it all pretty comfortably. So, yeah, couldn't have really asked for a, a better weekend for Billy. Um, in Tom's group, yeah, he was he was really up against it. So to get to the final, final there, bearing in mind this is Tom's first elite competition. Um, he's only had before the competition started, it, it had 19 belts. Um, so he boxed a lad from nor- the northeast. He got to the ABA finals in April. He had 30 plus belts. So we, we thought you know, it was always every fight Tom had was going to be tough, but it was more about the learning experience for yeah. him to get him ready for those types of competition. Um, so to, Tommy Watt <laughs> did really well to win win the semi final, 
against this lad. Uh, I think he won it. Yeah, he won it on a four-one split. Um, but it was a really, really good performance, and he, he opted his game for the occasion. Um, then the next in the final, we had um, Ellis Trowbridge, who, who we knew would be favourite for the the competition, given that it, it, he's won the ABAs twice in the last year, um, and he's just been brought onto the podium squad with with GB. But uh, Tommy Tommy gave him a, a good fight, but obviously the the class of Ellis you could see was there, and, and he and he got edged, you know, he got he got beat fair and square but he put, put in a good performance and plenty to build on and, and, and that, that, com, um, that contest will just make him stronger yeah fantastic yeah. And, and you know for you as a coach taking these two guys across there I mean how um, sort of rewarding is it for you how proud a moment is it to see them competing with this level of uh, boxer yeah you know sort of yeah very proud um, you know we, we don't have that where you can go to other gyms and spar. So, someone like Tommy, who's at lower weight, it is difficult for him. So we've got to do most. You know, he, he can't just go up the road, go and spar with another 51k lad. Um, obviously, Billy's got a few more lads, the, the same weight as him in the gym. A bit, they're not as experienced as him, which is also another um, disadvantage for Billy. But so to say that we haven't haven't got that sparring options they did did brilliantly i mean they do get off the island sparring but it's it's uh it's not as frequently as, as they'd like to go, given the cost and the stretch of water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, just put it into context for us to have um, you know, one guy win uh, his division, yeah, another reach the final for, for your gym here. I mean, how sort of historically, how significant is that? Yeah, I think um, oh, that's the first time that's been done at elite level, for sure. Um, but what I'm hoping for is it will just inspire other lads to show what hard work and commitment can, can get you. Because both Billy and Tommy, um, there's no coincidences there. They're, they're always in the gym, they're always putting the effort in. Um, and I'm just hoping that will uh, rub off on the other lads and they'll try and <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll aspire to try and do the same things. Yeah. I'm sure. Just, just finally, um, for Billy, obviously, a big summer ahead. Got uh, so four or five weeks now until Birmingham and the Commonwealth Games. Uh, how useful, or, or more than useful, will that preparation have been at Haringey um, for that competition? Uh, definitely useful. I mean, I was, I was kind of thinking, if he doesn't win this, there's probably not much point in going to the Commonwealth. So that, that's what I was thinking in my head before we went there. I thought this is really, you know, you've got to perform well here. And that will just show that you, you, you know that that just. Uh, I mean, I know he's at that level, but in terms of preparation-wise, it was really key for him to go there and shine, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, and now that will give him the confidence to, to you know, do, um, to put in the performances at the Commonwealth Games. Ben Duff talking to me there up at uh, the Guernsey uh, Amalgamated Boxing Club. Uh, yeah, Jamie, we were there last night um, getting a bit of uh, material from Billy ahead of uh, the Commonwealth Games. So sort of full previews uh, across the sports to watch out for. And we're only a few weeks away. So, um, yeah, do keep uh, your eyes peeled for that. And he was, uh, Billy, very confident that, that Tom Tears would be a Commonwealth uh, boxer at some point in the future. Yep, he's saying 100% for 2026. So mark those words. No pressure <laughs> on Tom there. Um, yeah, let's turn our attention to stuff that's been happening a bit closer to home because the uh, domestic cricket season um, is in full swing. I don't think we've chatted, obviously, since the uh, Interinsulars 
which uh, or the T20 entrances, I should say, um, which obviously went uh, Jersey's way fairly convincingly again. But um, certainly as far as domestic cricket is going, Gareth, some impressive performances being put in domestically ahead of uh, a big tournament for Guernsey's senior men um, over in Finland in a few weeks' time. We've also got the women's interinsular uh, T20s over in Jersey this weekend. So it's all go. Um, let's just start with the domestic stuff because I know, um, Gareth, you've been watching a lot. Harry, you've, been, you've seen a few games recently as well. Just give us a sense of, of how things are shaping up then, particularly in Evening League One, Gareth, because uh, yeah, a bit of a sort of titanic battle emerging between Griffins and Indies, but the, the big game between them again was washed out. <laughs> it was the biggest sods law thing that the only game so far in the top <laughs> flight this season to have been um, postponed or well called off because of the weather was the, the clash of the unbeaten sides, Griffins and Indies, and uh, everyone was looking forward to it, and typically that was the one night the rain came. Um, Griffins have been looking very good in the defence of their title. Um, they've won again this week. Um, they'd managed to cope a few weeks without uh, Luke Bichard, who sort of like their spearhead of their bowling attack, but he came back and it looked like he'd never been away this week. Um, and Luke Letitiae is in typically very good form, and he's been hitting the ball to all parts, and they're just looking at a very good side. I mean, this week when um, they started losing a few middle-order wickets to irregulars, you sort of looked at who was still to come in the batting lineup. you thought they'll still get this quite comfortably because they've got quite a, quite a deep lineup there now. Um, sort of the usual names, plus, I mean, young Marcus Thomas has been doing well as well recently, so um, they're looking a good side. I can't wait for them to play Indies. That's, Indies also on paper look a really good side and their, their sort of island stars have been in great form. Certainly, Zach Damrell has been scoring a lot of runs at the top of the order. Um, Tom Nightingale recently has been um, scoring more runs. Matt Stokes is just... Matt Stokes, who's just an absolute class act. So, And um, Nathan Letitia is obviously scoring a, um, some good runs um, as captain at the top of their order. So, yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things that I, th- I think both of them will just continue to go unbeaten until they face each other. And I just can't wait for that match now. There was a bit of a sh- showdown clash last summer as well, wasn't there, between the two sides? And it, again, it was rearranged and it being played on a Saturday lunchtime. Yeah, it was, it was a bit out of the ordinary, that one. Um, and obviously... Uh, Griffins ended up coming out champions of that um, on, a, on a very good summer for Griffins and they're enjoying that sort of um, success again this year because they're dominating really the, the weekend championship although OE's been doing well as well but um, yeah the Indies uh, Griffins clash is just it, it was the one we, everyone's been looking forward to before anything started and to say the first one got rained off was unfortunate it was a bit of an understatement but um, yeah hopefully it, it won't disappoint when it comes round to the, those two actually facing each other yeah I think uh, 12th of July at the KG5 um, yeah it'll probably rain that night um, <laughs> yeah, yeah you could almost you can predict it now guarantee yeah, it'll be it absolutely hosing down but, mark, but yeah mark your cards for sure um, yeah I mean in terms of uh, perhaps on the bowling side who stood out so far for you this summer? Well I've been really impressed by the youngsters coming through actually it's um, you just get the impression that perhaps give it three or four years Guernsey could have a really good um, young quick bowling attack we got obviously Ben Johnson got picked for the the tri-series in Trinsler and he's only 18 he's at college left arm left arm quick his his youngest brother Harry has been looking really good he, he started in the under 15 in Trinsler with uh, five wickets and that and he's he's looked good playing for uh, Wanderers Rovers in Division One, um, young Charlie Forshaw, who's the captain, I think, of the under-15 side, he looks a really good prospect as well. Um, and also, sort of, a, in terms of sort of spin department, um, the other Johnson brother, Max, is is um, got some decent potential as a leggy. 
and um, there's also a couple of others. Uh, Ollie Clapham can can bowl some decent stuff as well. So, in terms of the bowling, I think it's the youngsters really. I mean, <laughs> I almost think of Luke Bishard now as a, as an experienced campaigner, but he's still only a young lad as well. So, um, I think we've got a lot of potential there going forward. Particularly, uh, you know, I suppose the the role that young players can play. You look at Jersey away in Africa at the moment. Um, a couple of the you know some real youngsters in their side. So, I yeah, they've know. got a very they've still got a very young side, Jersey. It's it's funny when you look at how well they're doing you sort of think it's through experience and through maturity it's, it is through experience because they've been together quite a while now but as a group I th- I'd, I'd, I'd imagine their average age is still under 23 to be honest Jersey and they're doing phenomenally well I think it sort of goes to prove that um, the the T20 Interinsula series I think we approach that in the right way we've got to look at how Jersey are going and um, we're sort of we're, as Josh Butler said back at the time, we're sort of starting that pathway now, but it shows what can be achieved with with hard work, dedication, and just a, a good team ethic as well. Yeah, they're going really well, aren't they? Um, speaking of interinsular stuff, uh, Harry, I think you've been uh, looking ahead to the, the women's T20 series over in Jersey this weekend, um, three matches. What's the sense you get from the Guernsey camp ahead of that one? Yeah, well, it's great to see it back, and the mood I sort of get is just excitement. Uh, I spoke to Ben Fairbrush the other day. He said everyone's just ready to get going. It's going to be a great chance to test themselves because this Jersey side... They went away, I think it was last month. They played against Austria, France, Spain, beating all of them. They won all four games over there. So you get the sense it's going to be quite a tough match, as it normally is when you go over and play jersey at any sort of level of cricket. Um, but yeah, they all seem very excited. It's, going to be, it's got international status. It is a T20 international. And I think after this series, Guernsey women will have ICC world ranking for the first time in um, T20 international cricket, which is really great for the island and development of women's cricket over here. So, yeah, everyone seems to be looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. And a new uh, women's development officer as well in Hannah Yeeland camp. Um, so, uh, yeah, things kind of set up nicely for women's cricket. We wish them uh, the very best of luck this weekend. I'm sure more coverage uh, in the paper um, before they head to Jersey and reaction as well afterwards. We'll talk athletics in a moment because it's a big weekend in Britain. Um, first of all, though, let's just talk about an ultra runner who went away to England and did some extraordinary things over the weekend. Um, Tian Irwi, who's someone we've um, spoken about before on the podcast, I think, who absolutely smashed his own record in the Guernsey Ultra uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, yeah, running a, a lap of Guernsey that you know, no one would probably ever come close to. Um, he's quite an extraordinary athlete, and he's won uh, over the weekend one of the big ultra races in England. Well, yeah, it's just how easy he makes it look. Like, yeah, he's not only won the Summer Spine Race, which is billed as one of the toughest races in the world, but he's... <laughs> Yeah, he smashed the course record by seven hours. Uh, he was on his feet for 70 hours in total. Yeah. He looked fresh as a daisy afterwards. It's like he'd just gone for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even I think the organisers posted some photos and said, yeah, basically it didn't look like he'd been up for 70 hours straight running the length of the Pennine Way. He looked like he just finished park run. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, he is a, an extraordinary athlete. I mean, he it, it, it doesn't seem to sort of touch the floor when he runs. He sort of just sort of hovers and, and glides across. Um, yeah, just sort of frictionless runner. Well, Jamie, I think you've uh, been catching up with Tian after his uh, weekend exploits. So, uh, yeah, this is what you had to say. Oh, absolutely, no problem at all. Thanks, thanks again for the kind words. I think, uh, um, you know, it looks good kill. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, a bit more recovered from, uh, from, well, since yesterday morning. So, yeah, in total... Race-wise, was about what seventy hours, forty-six minutes, um, and of course, uh, you know, across two hundred and sixty-eight miles. Um, in total, we had five uh, checkpoints, and uh, um, it was really just trying to like space out, like you know, how you're gonna 
manage your your dietary intake, your sleep, you know, everything with that that, that goes in between us. Kind of had to plan that according to those uh, respective uh, CPs. Um, you know, I had to carry all my kits with me as well, so a lot of heal food and things like that. So uh, again, you had to plan for those things and be sure that you know you can actually. Uh, uh, sustain yourself over the course of the of the race, but uh, all in all, I think all you know it went really well, and uh, um, I really could feel the the support from you know from all over games. You know, and my wife was actually uh, traveling with me, and she constantly like, told me about the community, constantly saying, "Well, you know, um, Tiandi adopted Gönzim, and uh, please just make sure you guys reference it." So, uh, um, yeah, thanks again for all that support. <laughs> As well as winning by quite a margin, you also beat a record set by a renowned Irish ultra runner. Was setting that record ever really on your agenda when you lined up? No, not at all, to be honest. I had no real plans for the race, like how you know how it's going to pan out. So uh, I think, uh, especially with the, the sheer distance, you know, you 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 can't really gauge at such an early stage. So it's it's really you know closer to. Uh, uh, you know, the 200-mile mark where you realize, well, you know, you're actually having a fairly decent uh, uh, lead. Um, and with Ian Keith having the re- uh, record, um, you know, what is it, 77 hours, I think. Um, and, and I know him quite well. You know, he's a very good pacer, and he just he just cracks on and gets get, gets the job done, right? So uh, anything can happen in a race like this, um, you know, and, and that's why, you know, you can't really predict how things will, will uh, develop. But um, definitely I was super chuffed with the... Uh, how things uh, panned out and uh, um, yeah, couldn't want it any other way. And you were just speaking about how like unpredictable these kinds of races are. I know you had a bit of misfortune at the winter equivalent and had to drop out. So yeah, how do you feel to have kind of redeemed yourself with such a performance in the summer edition? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, I, I almost see this one as a, a recce event where, you know, you want to kind of learn from your mistakes and, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm still hoping to, uh, you know, well, actually my name is already in the hat for next year's winter spine. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I can, you know, I've, I've learned from, from my mistakes and, uh, you know, I can, you know, come back at it, uh, come January and, uh, hopefully pull out another good result. Yeah, because they run the event in summer and winter. I mean, obviously, as Jamie said, you pulled out of that winter one. But what is more difficult? Is it doing it in the kind of bitter cold or is it potentially the, you know, the heat of the, the summer sun? Yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, it's definitely the former where with the winter spine, you're already struggling with uh, limited daylight hours and, uh, um, you know, the sheer coldness and you know, constant like trench feet running through and more, more swimming through bog, I'd say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and just getting pretty much just getting lost and, you know, with the, with the path constantly being snowed under. Um, so winter's definitely got its own challenges. And uh, I thought to myself as well, last uh, the night before when running through the Cheviots, it's, uh, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you can already see the sunrise and it was just so beautiful. Whereas uh, comparing that to, uh, you know, in, in winter spine, you, you probably have another good four hours before you're going to see any speck of daylight. <laughs> well, is that, uh, yeah, is that sort of extremely good for the morale? You know, it keeps you going that, that you've got these amazing scenes in front of you? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was just the phenomenal scenery and uh you know, you, you kind of entertain yourself with the smallest and the silliest things ever. For example, uh, um, even trying to make friends with with, with my fellow sheep or, or across the farmer's <laughs> field, right? So, uh, um, you know, some of them are always a little bit more ag- arrogant than the others. And you always wonder, like, what is this one up to? And, uh, yeah, it's just like you just always have a chuckle for, with yourself and, uh, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, entertain yourself for the entire 70 hours. <laughs> What's it like for, for someone who, you know, hasn't ever taken part in an event like this? I mean, how... 
are you kind of full on the gas at certain stages you know you're trying to maintain a really steady pace throughout are you doing a lot of walking as well is it you know yeah this is kind of a mixed bag so i think initially my intention was just to first of all uh you know gauge the field and just see how strong they are so uh you know it's almost a, a game of poker where you know i just kind of push a little bit harder see who's going to you know uh take the bait and then uh you know from there you can kind of gauge on um but yeah all in all is normally just you know just have to maintain if you if you ask yourself the question can i sustain this for another 70 odd hours and the answer is no then you definitely know you're uh, you know you're not on on pace at all so yeah it's just like kind of gauging that that sense of feeling and uh, um and, and work from there I'm quite intrigued by the whole sleep deprivation aspect, actually, because, yeah, I mean, you were out there for 70 hours and you got three hours of sleep. Uh, how do you keep yourself going? <laughs> loads and loads of coffee. So that, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, definitely uh, pretty much on a coffee trip. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, I, I think in that sense, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate that, you know, I, I can kind of um, run on very little sleep. Um, everyone's different in that sense. So I my, my approach normally is to have like a, you know, like shorter, like half an hour, like power naps. And, uh, and that seemed to work. Um, how long or for what prolonged period of time I can do that, I, I'm not quite sure yet, but uh, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll find out very soon. <laughs> and how do you do that? Do you just sort of sit on a bench and have a kind of lie on the ground? I mean, That's, well, so at the CPs, I'll just like bum out on a, on a sofa, wherever I can find anything for that matter, and just put my alarm phone right next to my ear be sure that i wake up otherwise i'll be in deep trouble if i don't wake up <laughs> and i saw a couple of comments on the um you know the post about your victory people saying you know it's incredible how does this guy train on a on a tiny island you know where you, you kind of how, yeah, how do you keep it fresh when you're training for an event that's you know the, the distances are way beyond what we've got here do, you know is it do you sort of use it to your advantage or um you know is it something where if you were based somewhere else where you had long trails you could you could go and hit the you could actually even take on you know take this on further yeah i think i mean i think guernsey's got a lot to offer in that sense so uh, there's definitely a lot of potential for you know to to spice up your training program um and not everyone necessarily realize that so uh, you know I, I think we've got all the elements i mean not necessarily the altitude but there's ways to compensate for that um you know and the cliffs is a perfect you know that's as i always say that's my ideal playing ground and uh, um you know that's where you really can you know perfect your technique um, but yeah, all in all, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely possible, um, you know, given, given what you've got, you can definitely, uh, you know, make lemonade with it. Yeah. Okay. And you've mentioned next year's winter spine as a major target. Um, just on top of that, what are you considering the major events on your ultra running calendar for the next year or so? So I've got, to, actually, I had a very interesting discussion with, uh, Anna Troop who came in second, as you are aware. So she's actually in the same, uh, uh, B&B where I'm at the moment and, uh, First thing they said is, uh, well, you need to arrange for an FKT event for the, you know, for the Pennine Way. It's, it's, it's an absolute must. So, so who knows? Maybe that could be on the cards uh, if I can get the, the crew to support um, to to uh, to take on uh, John Kelly's F- FKT. Yeah. But uh, apart from that, race-wise, I'll probably say uh, uh, next one will be uh, the Tour de Glacier. So that's the the, the sister race of uh, the Tour de Gion, the longer one um in september and then i've also got uh um well then come january will most probably be winter spine if i if i've got enough courage to do so um just going back to the fkt uh that's fastest known time uh yeah so john kelly did a 58 hour run along the pennine way last year so yeah that appears to be your targets um what will be involved in such an attempt and do you believe that's an attainable goal I think so. I think, I mean, I, th- I think, uh, you know, 
any any record is 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 bound to be broken, right? And uh, um, it's, it's just a, a matter of when. Um, so uh, you know, I, I think uh, um, if, if if I can give it a try, then I, you know I would definitely want to have a stab at it. And uh, you know, but uh, yeah, so 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 um, you know, to coordinate or arrange something like that is definitely a there's a lot of work involved in that as well. So you have to have the crew that's going to support you. Uh, also, essentially, you want to do it, you know, with the least possible kits. So everyone, they'll be carrying, you know, your food with you, your water, um, you know, do small things like even, well, on the pen on where there's so many like styles, for example, and gates. So they'll even open those gates for you just to save, you know, shave off those extra couple of minutes. So all these things, you know, add up and that's how you eventually, you know, will end up making that 58 hour cut off if you want to put it that way so yeah i think all in all you know it's definitely attainable um it's just having the willpower to do so i also believe that john ran his from north to south whereas you'd often be running the other way around um yeah what are the differences in running it in that direction compared to what you've just done it's an interesting question so i think uh well the reason why i, I probably well so for south to north is probably a uh, could be more preferred given the the wind direction. So you you normally do tend to get the wind from behind that way around. However, um, you then end up hitting the sh uh, the Cheviots, you know, with extremely tight legs, and well, even before then, like hitting Hadrian's wall. Um, so you definitely do slow slow down in pace. So, so that's why I think a lot of the uh, the athletes try and attempt it the other way around, where you'd rather want to get the, the the more trickier sections out of the way. Um, and then you've got the uh, well, nothing's really really flat, but you've got a relatively uh, you know more undulating or smoother um, last section. Hence why um, uh, Damien and uh, and John Kelly would have attempted the or did the uh, uh, the north to south. Tiana, we speaking to Jamie there. Uh, phenomenal stuff from him. Um, certainly, our athletes heading to the British Championships this weekend, uh, Jamie, won't have to endure uh, that level of endurance. Um, uh, definitely, uh, we'll be looking more on the sprint side, won't we? Just talk us through who's going over and, um, and what the prospects are. Yeah, so we've got a free-headed challenge at this year's uh, British Championships in Manchester. Um, we have Ale Chalmers, Abby Galpin and Peter Curtis, all three of whom are going to the Commonwealth Games shortly. Um, unfortunately, Cam Chalmers, our 400-metre ace, has had to miss out due to injury. But yeah, um, Alla. Alla will be challenging for a first straight gold medal. He has won the previous two years. And yeah, it's looking like a tough field. But given his recent form in running 48.88 seconds in Belgium, taking nearly a second off his best and the Guernsey records... He will undeniably be their favourites. Um, Pete Curtis, he's another big race performer. Hopefully he'll be able to lower down his personal best, maybe make the final and maybe place. Um, Abby's going to be up against it. Um, world champion Dina Asher-Smith is thankfully not, thankfully for her, not contesting the 200 metre event, but a lot of the other top GB prospects are. Uh, as a reminder, this is serving as a qualifier for the world championships. So there'll be a lot of talent on show in that field. But yeah, I wish her and all of her Guernsey competitors the best of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, for Alla, potentially, um, as you say, going for that third straight British title. And then, uh, yeah, a world championship place, which is he's kind of put a deposit down on and um, now just needs the, the selection. Um, and that, that'll come before the Commonwealth Games. So a uh, pretty massive few weeks ahead. Um, yeah, for him. Wimbledon is upon us as well, Gareth. Uh, Heather Watson has been in action on the grass courts already uh, this summer. Uh, yeah, as we head into that, any chance of her kind of, you know, 
producing the sort of form we have seen in the past and, and maybe nicking through a couple of rounds? Well, you'd certainly hope so, Tony. The, the draw comes out, I believe, on Friday morning, so we'll see how um, what what sort of luck Heather gets in that um, draw. Um, a couple of weeks ago in Nottingham, she actually, she sort of um, picked up an injury during her first match in Nottingham. And it's funny how she almost ended up playing her best stuff uh, for the rest of that match. She played really well after she'd had a medical timeout. Um, she then uh, got knocked out in the, the following round and then missed out on going to Birmingham. She came back for Eastbourne this week. She, she's got three matches under her belt. She won her first qualifier, which was a decent result. Um, lost in her qualifying final, but got a lucky loser's place in the first round. And um, unfortunately lost in the first round there. But I think she needed those matches, just get those under her belt. And she, she just always seems to rise to the occasion when it comes to Wimbledon. She'll have uh, some good support there. And um, yeah, it does depend on the draw. But hopefully we'll, we'll see her sort of progress through, through the week. And I'm sure she'll be playing doubles as well. And we know that she's a Wimbledon champion in mixed doubles. So uh, they'll... There'll be something to keep our interest for a couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Keep a close eye on that draw, um, for sure. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it has been uh, a really busy time. I think we've probably glossed over quite quite a few sort of successes in Trinsulas over the last few weeks. Um, anything that stood out for you, Gareth, uh, in the sort of spring, early summer period? Um, well, seeing as I spent most of my time around Landcrest Golf Course, I've, I've seen an awful lot of good stuff there. Um, actually, it's, it's an interesting weekend because it's, it's the Jersey um, Amateur Championship this weekend. So Jamie Blondel, who's our, our champion this year, will find out who he'll be facing in the CI finals. And it's great to be getting back to that sort of competition because we haven't had... Um, CI golf finals for, for sort of three years now so um, it, it, it certainly um, imp- it, the interest is certainly peaked because of that getting to play in those big matches and um, yeah it'll be um, good to see how that goes Before we finish up just want to mention um, Pride of Guernsey awards because the 2022 um, awards have been launched uh, the nominations open and there is a sports volunteer category um, as there was last year sponsored by Shaw um, so if there is uh, an individual uh, a sport volunteer that you know of that deserves some recognition, um, particularly for this year, um, then do get involved. Let us know. Uh, head to prideofguernsey.com and you'll find the nomination form there. Just click through to the, the Shaw Sports Volunteer Award. Um, I'm sure lots of worthy uh, candidates around for that one. So, um, yeah, get some nominations in uh, and let us know who you think deserves to be recognised uh, when these awards happen. I think in October time. I missed my flight back for the last one, so uh, maybe I'll get to this one um, this year. We'll see. Uh, cheers, guys. Um, been fun to be back. Give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport, um, uh, wherever you look, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, of course, pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local sports coverage. Uh, yeah, have a good one of the weekend, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Tony.